welcome to 321 iRelaunch, the podcast where we discuss return to work strategies, advice, and success stories. I'm Carol Fishman Cohen, CEO and co founder of iRelaunch, and your host. Today, we welcome Anita Raymond, a partner at GSV Asset Management who took a two year career break. Her experience encompasses roles as an entrepreneur, investor, and advisor to global companies in the technology sector. Prior to GSV, Anita was an investment professional at Vantage Point Capital Partners, where she invested in early to growth stage technology companies across the consumer, enterprise, and energy sectors. In addition, Anita is the founder of a vertically integrated plus-size women's wear retail startup. Anita is a graduate of Manipal Institute of Technology, where she earned an undergraduate degree in electrical engineering. Following Manipal, she graduated from the Master's in Electrical Engineering program at Stanford and later earned an MBA from Wharton. This episode is part of our Relaunchers in Senior Roles mini-series, and we're going to be talking to Anita about her experience not only relaunching, but re-entering the workforce in a senior role. Anita, welcome to 321 iRelaunch. Carol, thank you so much for having me. It's great to be here. Well, thank you so much for speaking with us. Let's start by talking about your career path that led up to your career break and what made you take the career break. Sure. Um, So I came to the United States to do a master's degree in electrical engineering. um, And I started my first job out of my um, out of college was with a consulting firm. And I was fortunate enough to have tremendous mentors at that firm who encouraged me to go back and get an MBA. And so what happened is that um, I applied to several MBA colleges and um, it just so happened that when I got a letter indicating that I had been admitted to Wharton for their full-time MBA program, Mm -hmm. I also found out on that same day through my pregnancy test that I was expecting a child. And so that threw me. Yes, I can imagine. <laughs> that threw me into a loop, and I just wasn't sure uh, what to do. Uh, but I have a really supportive husband, um, which is a, a, a large reason why I've been able to come this far. And uh, the suggestion, I mean, we put our heads together and decided that um, I should just go on this MBA journey, figure out, you know, if I could manage it. And then if I couldn't, I drop out and figure out, you know, what what to do is the next step. So I just took one day at a time. And so I went to join um, my Wharton MBA in August of 2004. My daughter was born one day after my OPIM exam on December 23rd of 2004. (laughs) Yes. And then I went back to school on January 7th, 2005. Um, being in an MBA program actually gave me flexibility and that is so critical for new moms. So I was able to muddle through my MBA. I was actually able to go through it. However, when the recruiting process started for us, I just found that there was no way that I could walk in, um, you know, do all of the interviews, finish my coursework and take care of my one-year-old child. And so I decided, you know, just to keep my sanity to drop one of those three things. And I decided to hold off on the recruiting process. Mm -hmm. And so as a result, you know, I finished my MBA. I had this really hot and heavy degree in my hand. I had a beautiful baby in my hand. Um, And then I came back to California um, to, to look for a job because, you know, unintentionally, I decided to take a career break. 
Mm-hmm. Thank you for walking us through that. That's a very unusual story. And, you know, I'm remembering now we've known each other for a long time. And I think that we connected right at that stage where you were looking to get back in. Is that, is that right? Or were That's you are- absolutely right. I mean, all yeah. of it is a haze to me, but you absolutely, you stand out. I'm, I'm sure I do remember cleaning out my Gmail inbox one day and there was an email from me to you. I believe in the 2006 and seven timeframe, it's that, you know, it, um, it's just such a difficult time and there's so much chaos and you're unhappy with the state that you're in. But, um, and I, I did reach out to you and um, you were definitely, definitely a helping hand. Oh, well, thanks for saying that. I, I just think it's, it's kind of amazing that I, I feel like here we are in 2021 having this conversation about your relaunch and your senior role. And that's part of what is it's giving me chills right now. And it's just it's such a, an, a, an exciting conversation. So, um, Anita, when when you were in that mode, uh, when you contacted me, I'm guessing you were contacting a, a range of people. What were you thinking? Like, what was your first thought? How did you approach your relaunch? Um, can you give us, a, bring us into your world at that time um, to just let us know how you went about it? Sure, yeah. And um, so as most women, I mean, all of us, when we have our child, it's just such an intense, it's a beautiful, but also really intense period right after you have, you know, a, a baby and especially your first child. Um, you know, um, and I, I had this this fantastic degree in hand, and I did come back feeling a little bit, um, you know, left behind, or um, I felt like I was not enough because everyone else in my MBA class was going off to Goldman Sachs or to Blackstone, mm-hmm. you know, or to some other really fancy firm, and they had a great title and a big fat paycheck, mm-hmm. and um, I had nothing to come back to. But, um, you know, I put one foot in front of the other. I had figured out during Wharton that I wanted to focus in on um, the finance industry. And um, I decided to focus my job search in on the venture capital industry, which was, again, a very challenging industry to break into. Mm-hmm. But, um, you know, I did what was what came naturally to me, which was to reach out to everyone in my network ask them for recommendations, and then continue to reach out to other people. And that was not easy to do, because in some ways, as I said, there is some baggage, you know, that you don't have a job, and you're out there looking for something, whereas all of your peers have a job. In retrospect, you know, it was just, it was unnecessary baggage. I just wish I had enjoyed that time more. Mm-hmm. Uh, but my, but my, my strategy was exactly that. It was just to go out and say, okay, you know, every week I'm going to set a commitment to talk to three people. That's it. Three, it's not too much. I can handle a baby and three people. Mm-hmm. And I did that. And one introduction led to another, led to another. And it was really a random walk through which I was introduced to the partner at Vantage Point. Mind you, that random walk took a year and a half. It was not an immediate random walk. So it took a year and a half. And, um, and he, um, we, we interviewed, I, I was interviewed by him and we hit it off and I landed the job. Mm, wow. Um, all right. Let me ask you um, a, a few details here. So when you said you kind of assigned yourself, you're going to talk to three people a week, 
were you getting in touch then with people that you hadn't been in touch with for a long time or new people? And what did you actually say? Did you send them an email? Like what was on the subject line? What was in the email or what was in your first phone message to them? So, um, you know, I was, um, I, I reached out to people. So I had this um, brand new network from the Wharton database. And so that was a good leverage point for me. Mm -hmm. But I didn't limit myself to just that. Um, you know, I started off with people that I was familiar with prior to actually going to get my MBA, because that's where um, I had a lot of trust. And people knew me, they'd worked with me, they knew that I could deliver, etc. And so I started out with my network and I said, you know, hey, I'm back in the Bay Area. I've had a baby. I'd love for you to meet her. Um, and in addition, I'm looking for a role at a company, and this is what I'm interested in. Would you would you be available to have a cup of coffee with me? Um, and so um, that's basically what I said. And then, you know, um, when I sat down with them to have a cup of coffee, I would ask if they knew of others um, that would be interested in speaking with me. And occasionally, it wasn't all the time, but occasionally. I would get one or two additional recommendations from my inner circle of friends. Mm -hmm. I also sent out cold emails to people from my Wharton database. And that was, that was incredibly valuable to have. So uh, when I emailed the people from Wharton, you know, I just say that I'm, I'm, I'm from Wharton. I just graduated and I'm back in the Bay area. I'd love, to, I'd love to connect with you as I'm looking for, you know, great opportunities. You know, Carol, it sounds like, um, you know, it, it it, it was a really hard process. Yeah. And it entailed so many no's. But but ultimately, um, you just have to put yourself out there. And I think this is just a general rule in life, in entrepreneurship, in, in getting out there. It, it's just that you have to go out and tell your story. You mm -hmm. have to meet people. And you just have to, you know, leave all of the judgment that you have of yourself and what you're capable of. Because most often um, you can do, you know, anything you set your mind to. You know, it's a really important message. Uh, it's interesting you said um, that you wish you had enjoyed it, the process more now that you were looking back on it, but also you're acknowledging that that day-to-day -day and lots of rejections or not even rejections, just non-replies, just people not, not replying at all, um, you know, that those can uh, build on each other and that also can, can feel pretty pretty negative. So, so I'm, I'm glad you're talking about that piece of it and that it took a year and a half. Uh, did anyone say you're, you're dreaming, you're never going to get into VC because this world is just too hard to break into? Almost everyone said that to me. Almost everyone. I'm not sure why I kept going because it, it is a really, really hard industry to break into. Almost everyone, I'd say about 99% of the people that I spoke to said that to me. Mm -hmm. One person, and I'll say, um, you know, Sujit Banerjee, my friend from Wharton, who graduated a few years before me, was in VC. And his advice to me was that, Anita, the way you get into VC is by pounding the pavement. You network, you network, you network. They need to get to know you. They need to trust you. They need to trust your circle. And then it's, it's again, you know, VC is, is, is cottage industry. You don't have HR functions. You don't have jobs opening up and job wrecks. You know, someone suddenly leaves and they're scrambling to find someone to replace them. 
And so um, I, I followed that to a T. I was like, okay, I'm going to pound this pavement really hard. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, as I said, I was really lucky to have the Wharton database, all of my friends, and I just kept continuing to network and uh, put myself out there. Mm. Wow. Um, good messaging. And that was excellent advice, but it also required a tremendous amount of persistence uh, on, on your part. So so you had this conversation um, with with the Vantage Point Capital Partners per- lead and and started working there and what happened like like what, what what did you start with how did you progress and what happened after that yeah i mean you know um carol um it was incredible i mean i joined it the intellectual um stimulation of working um finding the job that i wanted getting it and getting into that role and actually delivering was fantastic. And I'm so glad I took the time to go down that path. Because um, when you love what you do, everyone knows that, you know, things, you know, things just fall into place easily, and it's not work. And, um, and, and the other thing that I learned was that, you know, I could do everything that they threw my way, I could handle a lot, I could deliver, I could over deliver, I could manage so many different things, we just learn those skills as women. And um, the the other thing um, that I realized was that, you know, and I set up, I, I had lots of advice. I had lots of women friends that I talked to who said, you know, just make sure that your support system is solid before you go back to work. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so I ensured that I had, you know, enough help. I had someone to pick up my daughter from preschool. I had someone to bring her back. I had a fallback from that support. And I was really fortunate enough to be able to afford all of that. Um, and I thought it was important. That was Actually, I set aside enough money to make that happen first. And I gave up the other things that I couldn't do as an early associate at a venture capital firm. So that was my priority. I budgeted for that. And doing that helped me or gave me the flexibility and um, the time to move forward. Yeah, I just want to also comment that it's equally relevant for our stay-at-home dads uh, who or other people in caregiving uh, roles that are relaunching uh, exactly what you said about um, uh, working to set up this network to support what's going on on your, in your personal life <laughs> so, uh, so you can actually return to work. Can you talk to us a little bit about like level compensation. I'm not asking like how much you were paid, but just how did you even figure out what level and what the pay should be? And in your first week when you were sitting there, was it clear what you were supposed to be doing or did you have to figure that out? Yeah, well, um, in terms of like level and um, and compensation, it was kind of clear. I did have, I did, I did ping my network again and ask, you know, what were the general rules? Mm. Uh, but but it's a new industry, and so you see lots of different spreadsheets. And I think I did what most women do, which is to under-negotiate and just mm-hmm. take the first deal mm-hmm. that came my way. And I did that doubly so because I got into venture capital, and I really, really wanted a foot in the door. Right. In hindsight, I mean, if I, you know, two things, I said, I wish I had enjoyed the time more, and I wish I had pushed back because I would have surely gotten a little more and a higher level starting off, but it doesn't matter. It got me on the right path and I was able to prove myself while there. Mm-hmm. You know, it's interesting. What year are we talking about now? The year that you went back? Uh, 2008. Okay. So you have been back 
third you're now in your 13th year is that right uh, yeah. Um, so because we have um, I actually wrote an article for Harvard Business Review where we caught up with relaunchers who had been back, you know, five, 10, 15 years and asked them uh, to look back on when they first started it, when they came in at a more junior level than what they had left, actually, and what their advice was. And to a person, it was just what you're saying it was get your foot in the door, focus on getting your foot on the door and don't like overthink the level or even comp piece of it. Um, they they even said that years later, and, and you're saying that too, like you're saying, okay, yep, maybe I made a mistake there. I should have negotiated more. Still, the most important thing was to get in the door. Absolutely right. Absolutely right. Because once you're in the door, um, you know, you deliver and people notice, and then you can take your career so many different ways. And so um, you're, you're there in your first couple of years. Did you have did you have to catch up on technology? Were you looking at highly technical um, investments where you had to review, uh, like your background was in electrical engineering? Was there any um, updating that had to happen there? Um, not, I mean, yes and no. In VC, you, you always need to keep updating. Mm -hmm. um, and so it's just the nature of job. Um, so specifically for me to go out and do upskilling and reskilling, I did not have to do that. I had to learn on the fly, though, just through my, uh, you know, through the people that worked hard um, at, at levels higher than me at the firm. We just had to, you know, it's, it's about taking a lot of initiative in VC. It's about going out and finding deals, understanding if their technology works, reading through patents. I read through um, hundreds of patents to understand how solar cells were made. And thankfully for me, my electrical engineering degree came into play. I didn't know all of what was in that patent, but I could mm -hmm. figure it out. Mm. Interesting. So can you talk to us a little bit about your career progression and uh, and what led to where you are now? Sure, absolutely. So, um, you know, um, I worked at Vantage Point for about five, five and a half years. And then at, at the end of that, um, as if it wasn't exciting enough to break into VC, I decided that I wanted to go off and start my own company. Because I saw so many entrepreneurs jumping um, in, so many people jumping into entrepreneurship and building all of these fantastic companies. And so I, I quit my job in VC mm. and I went off on my own to start a direct to consumer uh, plus size women's wear company. Mm -hmm. it, I was passionate about it because it enabled me to serve the women's market, you know, it enabled me to offer product where there was none. And um, in some ways, offer confidence where there was none. I founded my startup in uh, 2013. We raised um, a few rounds of funding and I ran my company for about five years. And towards the end of the five years, um, you know, it was it was a really hard decision, but I had to merge my company into that of another uh, plus size women's wear line. And the reason I had to do that was because I put my VC hat on and I was not able to scale the company fast enough to go out and get more venture capital. Mm -hmm. It was a fantastic experience. Anyone that's been an entrepreneur will, will, you know, knows that building a company is an all immersive experience. You know that, Carol. Yes. Um, you know, it, uh, it, it, it uh, absorbs every dimension of you mm -hmm. in every which way. And so it was just a tremendous experience. It taught me to think in many, many different ways and, um, you know, just put myself out there. But 
But what I did, so after I merged my company into another line, um, I was pottering around again. It wasn't, again, a career break planned for, mm-hmm. but just out of the natural um, you know, circumstance of not having my own company to go to, I was looking for something to do. And it took me about a year of doing a few projects here and a few projects there to figure out you know, what, what to do again. And um, I came back to GSV because I remembered that I loved investing. Um, and so I just, I just started to try and get back into investing. So, um, you know, I, I, I remembered what it took to break back into VC. This time, it was significantly higher and just so many more no's and so much more negativity because I was more senior, mm. you know. Typically, partners come in from companies and from situations where they've like taken Uber public or they're the co-founder of Airbnb. You know, they've achieved something really significant. And I was going back to all of the firms saying, you know, I'd love to come back in, but here's what I've done. I have a failed startup. I've done VC before that. I know exactly how it runs. I've run a startup for five years. I know exactly how that goes so I can help you build you know i know everything that can go wrong at a startup i can help your startups do well so um i did not have a glamorous exit i did not have a fancy corporate job that i was coming from what i had was you know great years of venture capital experience where i jumped on every deal that i could jump on i had built my own company and so i knew exactly what it took or more so i knew what not to do when trying to launch and scale a company. And I had that credibility to go off of. And, um, but, you know, I was like, I know that this is the right path for me. I loved it when I was there the last time. And so I started to reach out again. I, I found my network. I made lists of people that I knew in venture capital. And I started to email them, do my copies again, really embarrassed because now I'm going from like a a failed company to reach out for another job, et cetera. But, you know, networking works in magical ways. And um, there was a woman, uh, I was part of the Wharton Women's Entrepreneurial Network. And a partner who was in that network sent me a job posting that she found on Medium and through that job posting, I, I reached out. It was from GSV. And I Googled Deborah Quazo at GSV. And if you know Deborah, I mean, she responded to me. I mean, we e- I emailed her. And within 15 minutes of emailing her, I got a response. Within one week of emailing Deborah, I interviewed with Michael Moe. I interviewed with a large part of the team. And I had my job offer. So it was literally, it was uh, That's you know, unbelievable. incredible. It is. It mm-hmm. really is. Um, it's so interesting the way you talk about it, too, because I'm trying to picture you saying uh, that I had a, uh, a failed entrepreneurial experience and you said it was embarrassing. And so you having to have these uh, conversations, I'm just wondering if people uh, received that information differently than you thought they were going to and whether they actually at the end of the day thought, this is going to inform the way that you um, make investment decisions and in some ways made you even more valuable to uh, to the VC firm than, you know, before you had that entrepreneurial experience. 
That's so true. That's so true. And I think it's all of these things that we say to ourselves and we assume for ourselves. Whereas when I went and spoke with Michael, um, that's exactly what he said to me. You know, I value the fact that you've tried something and you've tried taking risks and you went from your cushy venture capital job mm-hmm. to actually build your own thing. And that's a large reason why uh, we hit it off incredibly well. And so, you know, when I joined GSV, I joined as Michael's chief of staff because he was building up a part of his business. And I said, I'll, again, I'm just going to get my foot in the door. I'm going to put myself in there. Chief of staff can mean, you know, a really, really junior analyst type position, or it can mean a COO. Mm-hmm. I don't care. I'm going to suck it up and I'm just going to go in there. And I made it the role that I wanted it to be. You know, I gained his trust and um, I, I just basically made it the role that I wanted it to be and uh, went from there, um, you know, within a year because um, Michael saw what I could do and how much I had learned. I was promoted to partner. Mm, wow. That, that's an incredible story and so instructive for people. You you said you sucked it up and you took a leap and you took this chief of staff role and you didn't really know where it was going to lead, but you said you made it the role that you wanted it to be. I hope people are hearing that message. And then you became the role that you, you wanted. To, you got the role that you wanted to have. Exactly right. Yeah. I think once you have your foot in the door, Carol, I'm, you know, building the trust, building the relationship. It's all about trust and relationships. And, um, you know, women tend to tend to put so much of an index on the work you do. So for people who want to get into this field, really, it's about persistence. It's about networking. It's about pounding the pavement. And then it's about getting in there and building the trust and building the relationships with people at the firm. Right. Well, you have certainly demonstrated that. And do you feel when you were relaunching and it was kind of a second relaunch, did you feel additional pressure because you were more senior or that that you had to reach these goals quicker or that um, people like who might have seen it from the outside didn't understand why, where you were at what point because um, you had taken career breaks. How did you handle that mentally? And did you have to um, correct any stereotypes or perceptions that you encountered along the way? Absolutely. I mean, I felt so much more pressure because, you know, all of my friends and these are all of my peers from Wharton were vice presidents at Google. They were leading up big, big organizations and big, you know, systems. And I remember um, talking to a girlfriend of mine and um, I said, you know, I I feel kind of bad because I feel like I haven't done anything. Uh, Whereas this friend of ours is a VP at Google and that friend of ours is a VP at Airbnb. And she said, hold on, step back. She's like, you know, if you were at Google for 20 years, you'd probably be the CEO. I mean, give yourself some credit. You know, I mean, step back. And people have gone into these non-risky jobs and they've stayed at a company for 20 years. Mm-hmm. And um, so I think, you know, it, it's really important not to compare yourself to these situations and um, to just really think through um, where you're at and map out your own career path. hmm Uh, That's so important. Um, This whole concept of not caring what other people think, um, you know, because sometimes 
you do kind of care and you know it and you think and like you're saying you you might have felt embarrassed at different times but um the, if you can filter out and tune out some of those external negative you're never going to break into vc you, you know kind of communications um it can ultimately help you rise above but as you're saying anita that's only if you pair it with persistence and you keep at it uh because some people might let that get to their heads and decide you know what i'm not going to do this anymore and, and do something else i think you're absolutely right um carol you pair it with persistence um and then you also build a really strong core support system around you and you have you have uh your supporters and people who just stand by you and encourage you along the way and say you know i mean they they're behind you whether it's a failed startup or a great vc job or anything else that you're doing if you can form that circle of trust and that circle of support that is so critical in pushing you forward i cannot tell you i mean in when i was looking for a job when i was more senior to get back into bc just now um so many people looked at my background and said oh yeah for sure you were an analyst and an associate yeah that's great but you know so many analysts and associates are are um you know basically graduated out of firms and i was mm-hmm. like no no i left to go start my own i mean i found myself justifying okay. all mm-hmm. these people and i found myself coming back and ruminating and thinking through it and it's incredibly hard to do but i mean i'd say if if there was one solution to to this i'd say keep moving forward send those emails out meet those five people a week or three people a week just keep moving so you are getting right to to where i wanted to ask you this question about um that we ask all of our podcast guests which is what is the best piece of advice for our relauncher audience even if it's something that we've already talked about today and i'm hearing you say this right is, so do you want to repeat what you your advice that you just gave or is there um anything else that you want to add to it i think there's two things one is that relationships are so important and so you know nurture your relationships don't don't let them go and the second one is um absolutely i think you know life is a marathon it's it's not a sprint don't get caught up in what everyone else can do in 10 years when they're 30 or 40 i mean it really doesn't matter you and i know deborah quazo she's shattered the glass ceiling every stage of the way mm-hmm. and um so you know don't let age be a factor don't let um, other people's opinions be a factor just keep moving forward it's it's a little bit like that line from rocky where it's not about you know how many times you get hit it's about how how many times you can get up and keep moving forward mm wow that's a powerful way to end and i'm i have been through our whole conversation feeling this um concept for, from you like take it one day at a time put one foot in front of the other you, you know keep keep going um that's coming through really strongly and dovetails perfectly with with this advice So Anita before we close is there anything that you'd like to share with our audience about the work that you're doing Actually there is um Carol thank you so much um we run a program at GSV called the GSV Startup Bootcamp it's a 7 week program that opens um up the world of entrepreneurship to anyone that wants to attend it's free people are not selected for it We have really high caliber speakers that come to it. For example, we had John Chambers, we had the CEO of Nike John Donahoe came come to it. 
And then in addition to those main speakers, we run small group programs where people can learn from others who've built successful companies or from VCs as to how to, you know, launch a startup, launch a business, or they can just come and meet in our community of entrepreneurs. And so the, the website that for this program is gsvbootcamp.com. And uh, I would encourage anyone that's interested to come and sign up for it. That's amazing. Let me just make sure I have this right. So anyone can register to attend this. That's absolutely right. It's, it's our way of opening up the curtains of Silicon Valley to teach anyone that's interested in launching a business how to build one. And does it run virtually or do, like can anyone from any, anywhere um, sign up for it? It's a global program. It runs on Zoom. It's virtual. And so you will um, get your Zoom links. As soon as you sign up for it, we'll send you an agenda and a schedule and um, you just choose to join which sessions you want to. Wow. What a great opportunity and resource. How often do you run it? We run it twice a year. Um, and so next year, our program is going to launch in February and it'll run for seven weeks. And then again in September of next year. All right. Very good to know. Anita, thank you so much for joining us today. Of course. Thank you, Carol. And I, I, I so appreciate what you did for me 13 years ago. Thank you so much for being a lifeline at that point. Oh, you know, and I just, again, the idea that we're having this conversation right now and where you are uh, is it just uh, so inspiring for our relaunchers and for our employers for them to know what's possible. So thanks, Anita. And thanks for listening to 321 I Relaunch, the podcast where we discuss return to work strategies, advice and success stories. I'm Carol Fishman Cohen, the CEO and co-founder of iRelaunch and your host. For more information on iRelaunch conferences and events, to sign up for our job board and access our return to work tools and resources, go to iRelaunch.com. And if you like this podcast, be sure to rate it on Apple Podcasts and your favorite podcast platform. And be sure to share this podcast with a friend on Facebook, Instagram, and other social media. Thanks for joining us.